I would never buy a company just for its yield. Um, I would equate that to dating someone only for their looks, understanding um, who that person is, right? So I, I, I like to combine um, the fundamental outlook of a company. And if they have a dividend, uh, it's nice, but that's that's definitely not the only reason I invest in company. I, um, yeah, I'm looking for a growth story. I'm looking for a decent valuation. And I'm looking for a business model that is not easily challenged in the intermediate term by competitors. Hey fellow Stock Guardians, welcome back to the show. Today I have Larry Chung as my guest. Larry is a CFA, a Chartered Financial Analyst, and is an investment strategist on YouTube, where he talks about topics related to macro environment, macro strategies, equities and stocks research, and general financial education. Outside his public YouTube video, Larry also manages a private investment community on Patreon, and he's the founder of a market-leading educational consulting company called TigerMay. I'm super excited to have Larry on the show. Larry, welcome. Okay, Larry, let's not keep people waiting and jump into first question. I guess the very first question we have for you is, how did you start your YouTube channel and what is the story behind, why do you even do that? What is the story behind your, your content? Yeah, absolutely. So on YouTube, I have an investment strategy channel where I talk about macro research, equity strategy, and also portfolio allocation. And the idea for this channel came actually a couple of years after I got the CFA charter. A lot of my friends and family asked me uh, routine questions like, how do you select opportunities in the stock market? How do you understand risk and reward? How do you find opportunities that are likely to outperform in certain different environments. And so rather than always answering people separately, I decided to create a channel that I thought would be very thoughtful and educational to, to help them. And since then, it's grown quite a bit. And I'm really happy to have the privilege, really, to serve my community on YouTube through thoughtful education and a thoughtful research. Yeah, and you, you are one of those um, sort of rare YouTubers that actually dig deep into the financial concept behind stuff and you provide a lot of high quality content, which which is very unique. So that's why we wanted to have you on this show. Um, just before we jump into some of the financial stuff, I have one more question. So in today, your background is different, but in your YouTube background, usually you have this this word Tiger Ray on your bookcase. Uh, what is the story behind that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Tiger Way is my educational business off YouTube. So a little bit more about me is off YouTube, I'm a small business owner. I have a company that helps a lot of teen youth get into better colleges in the US. I teach them critical thinking. I teach them the valuable skills of math and English to succeed academically and on standardized testing. So my background, after I left investment management as a corporate career was to become a small business owner and entrepreneur. And so that's what I do outside of YouTube. And because I have that spirit of helping people through learning and educating, I have that in the background just as a, you know, branding a relationship with my viewers so that if they look up what that is, they'll see that 
I'm actually, you know, a coach who helps people get to the next level with critical thinking. Um, on YouTube, I happen to do that with investments and deep research. Wow, yeah, that's true. And I will make sure we put a link to Tiger Ray Business and, you know, where people can find you. I think that's super interesting. What is, uh, if you can share with us, what is like one critical skill that you you think every, every young, I guess, person who's starting their career need to need to focus on and develop? Yeah, in terms of in terms of critical thinking, I, I teach this to my you know teenagers who are in my program. I also share elements of this in my videos, and it's this: it's that assumptions are very dangerous. Mm -hmm. And one message that I like to share with my viewers is: the more that you assume, the less you actually know. So I urge my audience, my viewers, my friends on YouTube to really rely on facts and really you know concrete judgment rather than placing most of your decision-making on assumptions, which could be very dangerous. Yeah, and that applies a lot into investing, to your point. Uh, a very simple example of it that comes to my mind is that when a stock is going up, a lot of us tend to assume it must be good. It must be a good company. That's why everybody is investing in it, but that's just our interpretation of the trend in the market. It doesn't mean the facts support that. And I guess I can find thousands of examples like that, but that is a really, really good critical skill to develop. And it's hard to develop, right? Because it doesn't come naturally to you to go against what everybody else is assuming, I guess. Right, right. Yeah, very cool. So let's bring it back to your YouTube channel. I was watching uh, a lot of your good content and one of your latest um, YouTube videos was about whether people can actually um, make a living on dividends. And this is, as you know, and as I know, and a lot of our audience, uh, stock audience who are listening and watching now, it's a com it's very common. Everybody says passive income, use dividend to fund your life. And it's a very good assumption, <laughs> to your point, uh, that you can actually live off dividends. Um, maybe we, we basically unpack that video uh, shortly on this in this conversation. Is it really possible to live off of dividends for a young person? Yeah, that's um, something I'd love to answer. And uh, I'm going to answer in a very data-driven way. Mm -hmm. So when we think about the S&P 500 and the components inside the index that produce dividends, the, the average yield in the S&P 500 is anywhere between 1.6 to 1.9% for a dividend yield, which is now somewhat aligned to the 10-year yield. So when we think about that dividend yield, yes, it's passive, but it's also taken out of the company's balance sheet cash flow in order to fund those dividends. So it's not exactly free money. It does take away from the company's future ability to invest in their business. Now, mathematically, if someone wants to live off dividends, um, I've calculated it. If a person has about a $2 million portfolio at an average dividend yield of 1.8%, that is roughly making anywhere between thirty-five dollars to $40,000. So believe it or not, living off dividends requires uh, an investor have, have a very, very large amount of capital. And so one thing that I reiterate across my channel is dividend investing and living off dividends is the end goal mm -hmm. for young uh, viewers for your you know young audience who are professionals still growing in their career 
I would highly recommend uh, investing in either the S&P 500 if you don't want to actively try to beat the index or in growth themes while you have that long time frame. And then as you get older to de-risk those portfolios and rely more on income. But yes, relying on dividends is an end goal and it's not something that people should aspire to uh, get at the very beginning, but because that's not realistic. Growth at the beginning is the strategy and then income is, you know, the end game. Yeah, that's a really good point. A lot of people just tend to forget that's such a simple math to think about, okay, what that yield average yield results into, how much money needs to be invested for it to be meaningful in terms of your cost of living. And that's only $30,000, $40,000 per year. And depending on where you live, maybe that's not even enough amount of money. If you have kids and if you have like mortgage and all of that other stuff, maybe that's not even enough to live off that dividend. So it is sort of an exciting thing to say, oh, passive income, live off your dividend. But in reality, you've got to build up to a $2 million wealth and portfolio, and then you could potentially harvest the result. And uh, that's what your point It's like a good end result to get there. But you first need to build that $2 million to get there. Right. Um, it's, the, it's the end game and not the starting strategy and yeah. probably not the midpoint strategy as well. It's probably not, unless you, you get very lucky and your portfolio really goes um, rapidly and you get there. Um, so what, on the topic of dividend stocks, um, how what, what are some of the metrics you use in order to find good dividend paying stocks? Obviously, S&P 500, one point something yield, but we've seen some stocks that pay 10%, 15% yield. So why don't we actually use them or do you recommend using them? And, if not, how do you decide whether a stock or a fund is a good dividend paying um, candidate for a portfolio? Sure, I'd love to walk you through my thinking process. So within the dividend space, within the dividend investing space, there's blue chip dividend companies, and then there's high yield dividend companies, which is what you just mentioned. So a couple metrics that I definitely would encourage uh, our audience to take a look at is definitely the payout ratio and I'll explain that in a moment, analyzing the amount of cash on the balance sheet and looking at some leverage ratios as to how much debt the company has and also understanding the, the industry life cycle that they're in. And I'll explain each one. So the payout ratio is the percentage of a company's earnings that is distributed in the form of dividends. And most companies that issue dividends have payout ratios that are typically north of, you know, 50%, 50%, 60%. In the space of high yield companies, those companies actually have payout ratios north of 85%, even 90%. So when we think about that for a moment, that means that any slowdown in that company's industry in which they operate, any slowdown in sales, any contraction in margin gross margin, operating margin is going to really make their payout ratio a very uncomfortable part of the company's ability to actually pay the dividend. So that ratio needs to be closely monitored. And if you are a dividend investor, it's very important to analyze the historical payout ratio quarter over quarter and make sure that it's stable, because if it's not stable, there is a chance that the dividend is cut. And for most companies, where investors invest in it only for the dividend. And if that's the only investment thesis, if the dividend is cut, there's really no fundamental growth story 
uh, to invest in that to invest in that company. So that's why that's important to study. Another area is um, the amount of leverage on the company's balance sheet, and that's very important. Leverage being defined as in terms of the capital structure between debt and equity, how much debt consumes the capital structure. That's a very important consideration because a company has many financial obligations. The company has to use its revenue to pay for research and development, pay staff, overhead, and you know now dividend payments and also interest expenses from debt. So if the interest expense is a very burdensome part of the balance sheet, what's going to end up happening is that company will have a reduced ability to raise the dividend. And one thing that sometimes investors forget is they do expect dividend hikes over time to kind of align with inflation. And so if the dividend is able to rise at the pace of inflation and the fundamental growth story for capital appreciation isn't there, then this company will is not necessarily in the safest position to offer a dividend. And then the final thing that I want to talk about is the industry life cycle. Most companies that issue dividends are in relatively stable industries. They're very stable. We're thinking about companies that are relatively defensive in their nature. Walmart, uh, Costco, the energy sector. These are, these are companies that have market positions where it's very difficult for competitors to enter in and meaningfully eat away at their market share. So I, I would look at it from a perspective of, will that industry outlook change in the next 18, 24 months? Is that industry, is it tied to uh, commodities like, like energy? So Walmart's dividend, I think is very safe. Costco's dividend is very safe, very difficult to take take their, their market position away from them. But energy, energy companies, yes, more or less, it's like a duopoly, oligopoly, right? ExxonMobil, Chevron, they basically own a big part of the market. Problem is these companies are very uh, dependent on the spot price of oil. Mm. And because they are exposed to commodity prices, which change rapidly throughout the course of several years, even if the business model doesn't change the, the landscape and the spot pricing of uh, their inputs and outputs end up causing you know, uh, investors to sometimes be a little bit more nervous about their dividends. So I would say that if you are a dividend investor, you should start out with blue chips. You should start out with companies in sectors that are not necessarily tied to commodity risk. And then when you get more advanced, you can seek out higher yielding companies where there is a little bit more of commodity risk, input output risk, but um, at that point you have more experience to manage your position well. So that's, that's my general advice for people getting into dividend investing. Start with stable industry, stable companies first, and then later move into high yield. Never do the opposite way because that means you're, you're investing with a very uh, wrong perspective. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. So if I want to recap it, there's three things you mentioned. One is industry and understanding what would be the impact of that industry cycles on your dividend. Second one was their uh, debt uh, level, leverage level, and how much they have to, how, how, many, how much obligations do they have to pay first before they want to pay their shareholders. And the third one is the payout ratio 
which is basically says how much of the money that is left at the end of the at the end of the pot uh, is being used for paying dividend and whether the companies can actually keep that up. Um, so that is that's a really really good um, simple framework that people can follow in order to decide what are the what are the good dividend paying stocks. Is there any one example of a good dividend paying stocks that comes to your mind that fit those three criteria that you talked about? Absolutely. So I am a big fan of Costco. And the reason I like Costco is I understand their product. I understand, you know, what Costco is all about, right? So one of the things that I like to do in investing is every single name that I invest in, I personally have a preference of knowing exactly what they do. Sure, we've all heard of Exxon. Sure, we've all heard of Chevron. The truth of the matter is, though, it's very difficult to know their entire operations just you know, besides the gas pump, right? They, they're, 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 their operations are very, very complex. Costco, you can see how many consumers are shopping in and out. You can see who is buying what, who is, you know, buying what and during certain holiday seasons, you can look at the inventory. And so Costco, in my opinion, not only has a decent dividend yield, it has an element of growth. So those are the, those are the names that I really like. They offer a yield somewhat similar to the S&P 500. It could be somewhat lower, it could be somewhat higher, but then they have above industry growth prospects. Mm -hmm. So not only uh, is there an opportunity for dividend yield, there's also an opportunity for capital appreciation. So those are the things that I'm looking for. I would never buy a company just for its yield. Um, I would equate that to dating someone only for their looks and not really <laughs> understanding um, who that person is, right? So I, I, I like to combine um, the fundamental outlook of a company. And if they have a dividend, uh, it's nice, but that's that's definitely not the only reason I invest in company. I, um, yeah, I'm looking for a growth story. I'm looking for a decent valuation. And I'm looking for a business model that is not easily challenged in the intermediate term by competitors. Yeah, I love it. And I, I believe Costco is one of the biggest uh, holdings for Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett in Berkshire's portfolio. And I remember seeing Charlie Munger arguing um, how simple business uh, Costco's business is to your point of view. And also he was saying, we're all going to keep eating and we're gonna, all going to keep use toilet papers and, you know, uh, dishwashing stuff and, you know, all that good stuff. It's so simple and so required and needed. And it's just, so, it has such a big loyal customer base and it's very difficult to imagine it can never it, it could go down anytime soon so not only pays dividend and sustainable from an industry point of view which you were talking about it also is a very uh, it, it has the potential to grow in price so you get the best of the two worlds um, yeah one thing i can also add to your viewers just to just to help them understand my thought process is within the retail space as you know profit margins are very thin Costco has margins of near 10, 11%, which is very high in this industry. In addition, they have a recurring revenue business because they, they focus on their membership cards mm -hmm. and their membership retention rate is near 90%. So mm -hmm. 
So not only is their membership revenue recurring churn low, they also have above industry margins. And because of their moat and because of their market share, they can actually focus on growing volume and market share, not so much on price, so that it's very difficult for other competitors to step in and um, take market share from them. Yeah, that's a really good point because we are like this whole notion of what they call SaaS or subscription as a service, which is for a lot of the technology services companies. That's the source of a lot of their growth. And Costco has created that subscription in retail sector, which a lot of other like we don't see it from uh, Walmart or we don't see it from, uh, let's say, Best Buy or, or even Home Depot, they don't have these kind of memberships that are very profitable. So Costco has been able to create that source of profitability, as to your point, right. uh, which is very smart on their behalf. Right. So um, if your members, if your members wonder why Costco trades like a tech stock with a PE north of 40, now they know why. Yeah, that's a really good point. And they do have a, I don't know what is their payout ratio is, I guess I can pull it up right now and see what is their payout ratio. but. Because they, they are very profitable and because they have a really good business model, there must be a very low, um, uh, let's see if I can bring a low payout ratio. So I, let me go and see. Ticker is COST, right? COST, cost. Okay. And then let's see what their payout ratio is. Uh, I'm going to Costco as a stock card, obviously, <laughs> and then trying to figure out their, uh, their payout ratio. Let's see, on the dividend section. Do you have it on top of your mind? Um, I, I, I don't have it on top of my mind, but I know it's yeah. a very healthy payout ratio. Yeah, there must be forward dividend yield, dividend payout ratio. Um, yeah, it's it's basically they're very profitable. And uh, to your point, it's a it's a it's a and they've been growing. What is very interesting about them is that they've been growing their dividend per share more than 10% in the past one year, again, 11, more than 11% in the past three years and more than 11% again in the past five years. So not only they can afford to pay it out, but they also keep growing that that that, uh, that yield, which makes makes it is even better. So that's really good. Is that, um, is there, is that one stock that you would, would want to buy right now? Do you, if do you go to the extent that Costco is the stock that you're interested to buy right now, because we always in these interviews and introductions to good good investors, we always ask, what is that one stock you would want to buy now and why? Are you do you have another pick or do you stick with Costco? So the way I'm going to answer this question is this: um, I, I want your audience to you know find prosperity in in this year's market, and me giving one stock pick you know, may or may not have the desired outcome. So here's what I'd like to share with your viewers that I think you and them will find more valuable. Investors this year want to focus on a certain theme. And within that theme, they'll be able to find the companies that, that they like best. Here's the theme. Uh, given the latest developments post FOMC and given the latest investment narrative of higher rate hikes and balance sheet tapering, what investors want to know is they want to invest in companies that can be in technology, but they need to be high quality. They need to be market leaders. They need to have very strong revenue growth, free cash flow generation, and they need to have a substantial moat around their business because that protects their gross margins. So this is an idea 
that I shared inside my inner circle at, in, in Patreon. And rather, yes, I give my Patreons a list of names to consider like a shopping list in this latest sell-off. But more important than that is to think thematically. What are some themes that are likely to work from the latest earnings season? We can see that high quality growth like Microsoft and Apple are performing very well. And the reason for that is they have very large total addressable markets. And these large total addressable markets will allow these companies to grow into them while having that solid recurring revenue growth. And that's what investors are really focused on right now. They wanna make sure that that growth isn't transient. They want to make sure that that growth is structurally there so that it can fight in a stagflationary environment. And that's, that's, a, that's a very important idea that I'm expressing publicly and inside my inner circle. So I hope that theme helps. And I know that you're looking for a list of names. So within that theme, certain names that I definitely have in my portfolio and I'm advocating for include companies like Google, Microsoft, Adobe, AMD, Apple. So these companies are names that all retail investors know about, but notice that these names are not names like Zoom or names like Teladoc or, or names like you know, Etsy. Though those companies will do very well when sentiment returns, but assuming that the current sentiment stays where it is, I think that investors will find outperformance when they move their portfolio up in quality and minimize their exposure in the more high multiple parts of the of the market because right now any company where price to sales is over 10 or where the PE ratio is over 50 those those companies those themes are being I would say being underweighted right now yeah and, and I love it because and to add like a cherry to top of the cake is that not only they have all of those criteria or characteristics that you just talked about that you can also buy them at a relatively better price compared to maybe six months ago because of what's happening in the market. Um, so that's a really good answer because you're sort of like teaching people how to fish as opposed to giving them the fish, which is which is which is why we have it here. Uh, so thank you, thank you for that. Um, I know we're almost at the end of our time. I, I think I can uh, talk to you for long, long hours. Hopefully we can bring you back to the show uh, very soon. But you mentioned your Patreon, so maybe that's a good segue to talk about if people want to follow you, see your work, uh, where can they find you and where can they read more, more content or watch more of your content? Right. So the first thing that I want to share is my relationship with my viewers is the most important thing to me. So every time... I talk about my, what I do on YouTube and what I do, you know, as an extension of YouTube in Patreon, I always recommend new viewers and new YouTube friends to watch my content first, understand my philosophy. And on my channel, I even talk about my personal career struggles as well. And so before people want to work with me, I would highly encourage them to watch several of my videos first understand my thought process. And if they agree with my thinking process and, and they like it and they enjoy it and they want to learn more, then I do have an inner circle on Patreon where I talk about macro equity research and portfolio strategy to help our members really navigate this market environment. And most importantly, uh, help them become better equity analysts. First. So yeah, so for people who want to connect with me on that level, first, 
is to connect with me on YouTube, watch some of my content first. If you like what you see, then um, you know there's Patreon if you want to connect with me on a deeper level. Fantastic. And the name of your channel uh, on YouTube is? Larry Chung, comma, CFA. Great. And then the name of your Patreon um, uh, group or community is? It's just my name. It's just your name. Excellent. And we'll make sure we put your uh, link in the show notes so people can find you. And hopefully we can have you back on the show with this good content and this uh, deep uh, depth of insights that you share. And uh, that's all. That's all good. Is there anything left? Uh, at the end, you want to share with the uh, Stock Guardians? Otherwise, we'll say goodbye to you. Yeah. So, you know, I, I want to wish everyone, you know, a prosperous 2022. Um, I, I know that it's been a very challenging start to the year. But I, I hope that your members, you know, continue to have a very strong resolve because while the intermediate term is bumpy, the long-term outlook for U.S. equities continues to be strong. And I will be expressing those views publicly and privately in my inner circle. Well said, Larry. Thank you so much for taking time. Thank you.